The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. To Mark chapter 6, uh, or, or flipping your Bible, scrolling your Bibles, whatever Bible type you use. Uh, if you are looking for the version, if you're new, you're like, what version do you use? We use the one on your Bible app that says ESV, stands for English Standard Version, uh, just because it's the one that I've used for many, many years now. And in before we do this, I need to ask you guys, um, how many of you make resolutions? I know it's like becoming less and less of a thing. So literally, one, two people, and these are young people. They're not disillusioned yet. This is why they make resolutions. Uh, I make resolutions every year, and I've never stopped making them, and I've never stopped failing them. This is the, the good thing about resolutions is that you can make them again next year. But a few years ago, I stopped doing it the way that sort of the, the American model of resolutions. I stopped saying, you know what, this year's going to be, this is the year I finally, whatever, like I do different goals in different categories of my life. So like for health, this is the year I'm going to lose 10 pounds. And then for spirituality, this is the year I'm going to read through the Bible twice for, for helping in the community. This is the year I'm going to make sure that I get out once a month and then I'll calendar everything in. And then maybe like many of you, um, you start off the year uh, like for if you're, if you're me, I, I weighed myself last Sunday. I, tr I try to weigh myself once a week. Last Sunday, I weighed 206 pounds. I weighed myself this morning. I weighed 216 pounds because Christmas has been glorious to me. I'm over ham. My resolu resolution is not to eat ham for a week. But, um, but with my resolutions now, I don't just like put out arbitrary numbers. What I do is I go backward through my calendar in the previous year, and I ask myself, what made me love Jesus and others more what, what moments in 2018 led me to deeper, richer, fuller moments of worship? And how can I get more of those moments into my 2019? So instead of just sh shooting out arbitrary numbers, uh, I will go backwards through my calendar and I'll, re I'll review my year and I'll just build a new year. And it's not really a resolution as much as, as much as it's looking at the past and saying, okay, what can I do this coming year in light of what has worked for me in the past and see what God does. Now, with that being said, this morning, uh, it's, a, it's a great passage because it's always a sleepy Sunday, the Sunday after Christmas, uh, before the New Year's especially. So this, this morning we're going to look at a few things talking about unlocking God's power. Now I know, because I know many of you in here, that some of you are like, man, I want to see God do a miracle. I need God to do a miracle, but I need us to do an illustration first. And this is where somebody might pass out. Are you ready? Are you ready, Margaret? Somebody might pass out. I need somebody who's relatively healthy to volunteer for something. Mm, I don't know. Okay. Nope. Uh, nope. No, uh, why are only young people healthy? Come on, Jay. You're relatively healthy. Okay, Jay. If I forget about you, just tap me on the shoulder. I need you to take a straw. <coughs> Come up next to me in case I forget about you. I need you to not cheat. No breathing through your nose. You might need two straws. You're a big guy. <laughs> I need you to breathe through those straws without cheating as long as you can. Okay. You just stay right here. Okay, now what Jay's doing is um, I've taken his normal windpipe that the good Lord Jesus Christ gave him upon his birth and growth patterns, and I've replaced his windpipe with something that's maybe a millimeter. I can feel your breath in my arm. <laughs> maybe a millimeter uh, across. These are what we use for stirring coffee. Nobody even uses these to drink drinks. Yet I'm giving this to Jay, two of them because he's a large man, for his only source of oxygen. Take one out. Okay. Are you cheating? Okay. 
We're just going to let this happen and play out for a little bit here, fam. This is why I had to choose your dad, because I don't want to touch a minor by the nose nowadays with all those weird things going on. But Jay, I can, uh, you can't breathe? <laughs> okay. So you, well, I told you we have medical professionals, and I know CPR, and I'm not afraid to use it on you. Okay, go sit down by your go sit down by your Oh, Jay, you bring that up today? Bring up football today in this day of days? So here, here's why I do that, because I, I have this hunch that when it comes to God's power, so many of us are operating with, with a small funnel. God's power is infinite. God's power is available. God's power is plentiful, and it's activated by faith like we're going to see in the story today. So we're going to pray, we're going to read, and we're going to jump into this Bible text. And I want you to remember, remember this funnel, because I think too many of us are, are living with this size funnel for our faith rather than trusting God in ways that can open up our lives to see more of his power unleashed. And I'm not talking about like pretend power. I'm talking about healing power, healing sick people, healing blind people, healing deaf people. Yes, I believe these can happen, and I, I can't wait to see more of them. So let's pray, and then we'll jump in. Father, Lord, I pray that you would open up our, our faith airways this morning. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see the difficulties that lie ahead in this new year as we look at Jesus and when he was stifled by unbelief in his hometown, Lord, help us to, to understand how to navigate with wisdom the people that we want to share the good news of Jesus with. Lord, help us to navigate with wisdom where we ought to go, who we ought, who we ought to share with, not, not tomorrow, not next week, not next year, but today. Lord, help those going on Fifth Sunday today to have divine appointments, like they have time and time and time again uh, with people who may be in terrible situations. Lord, help Help the Fifth Sunday team to go down there with, with your power today. In Jesus' name, amen. He went away from there. Jesus went away from, from doing the miracle of healing the girl, raising her from the dead. And he went to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is, it, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? He had a big family. And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his household. And he could do no mighty works there. This is Jesus we're talking about. It says Jesus could do no mighty works there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. Now, I, I need us to think about this for a second. Jesus was stifled by the unbelief of the people in his hometown. And this happens today to us. I can give you a very easy example. Um, here at church, we see each other's church faces. Everyone look around at the church face next to you say, you have a beautiful church face. Beautiful church face. It's a beautiful church face. Uh, here's the interesting thing, is that if you're, if you're a child or student and your parents are here, you know that your parents have a different face besides their church face. And, and parents, you know, your children have a different face besides their church face, and, and especially true of spouses. Spouses know this, I think, to even a greater level. You know your spouse has a spouse face that they don't wear at church. And, and here's the difficult thing of it. In life, when you know someone's 
I don't know another word for it, but it's just their, their nasty side. When you know the beast in the basement that lives in the spouse that you married, and they decide one day to ask you to change something, I don't know if it's different in other marriages, but in many, many marriages that I've seen, uh, usually one spouse says, you know, I, I really wish you could do something like this. And the longer you've been married, the more ammunition you have to fire back at your spouse things that you wish they did. And usually we just go about your days, and you, you wear your church face, and then you wear your happy married face, and then if you're having a bad married day, maybe you wear your slightly grumpy face, and then if, you, if the top blows off the lid, you go crazy. Uh, and it's, it's weird to me how sometimes, even though you want the best for someone, even though you want the best for your kids, even though you want what's good for your friends, if they know you and they know things about you, they use that as leverage against you. They know the real you, and they use that as an excuse for them to not change. I'll give you an example uh, with Fortnite. It's this game I've been playing with my son, Jackson. It is a very fun game. It's the, my main reason for playing it, which has proven to be amazingly golden, is that now I know all of Jackson's friends that I, that I have never met because they go to only his school. So I, I, I'm online with Jackson. We have these headsets on. And we got Jackson a computer for Christmas, which was a bad life choice. Um, I'm not even sure he's a fully human. I'm pretty sure he's more cyborg than human now. He's got these headphones that glow, and they have spinning lights on him. His computer spins up and lights in his room. And I haven't had a Windows PC in so long. I've learned how to do parental controls all over again. And Jackson's in his room, and I'll put on my headphones. And I'll sit on my computer that's not optimized for gaming like his, which he reminds me of all the time. And I'll meet his friends. But then I've learned some words that I don't use as an adult because I'm an adult. Um, and so maybe in politics. But one of the words that these kids say are, is triggered. They get triggered all the time. There's a new phrase I learned, though, that's my favorite, actually. And it's a, it's a phrase called rage quit. <laughs> now, obviously, the teenagers know what this means. I've learned what this means. You see, in this game called Fortnite, um, you, you go around and you, you're on a team, and you've got to take out the other teams. But they included this dance component to the game to where you can dance any time in the game. And when you take out another team, briefly they see your screen. And they've got these dances, and one of them's called the loser dance. <laughs> so someone takes you out. And then you see their screen after they take you out because you're gone. Your stuff's on the floor, and they're taking, you're stealing your stuff. And then you'll see them do this kind of dance. And they're doing it to you from who knows where, Malaysia probably. And, um, and I'd be playing this game. And then someone would take out some of my team. And then you just hear it in your headphones. And then, like, I'd hear headphones crashing. At which point I get up, I'm like, I just paid for those. Those better not be Jackson. <laughs> and I go in there, and Jackson has rage quit a few times. I told him if he breaks it, he buys it. Um, but it's the weirdest thing now because I'm like, why do these kids do this? So then a full disclosure, there are times now where, like, Jackson goes to bed. And we were playing together, and I'm like, I'm just going to play one more round by myself because I'm a grown man with a mouse. Click, 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 click. And there have been a few times where I'm sure some just precious, sweet-hearted little nine-year-old kid on his side of the globe uh, just doesn't know that I'm a dad and I have feelings. <laughs> and it kills me. And then they dance on top of my, my, my tomb. And I remember the first time it happened because it, it was so unexpected. 
where I just said, oh my gosh, I can't believe these little kids. And I don't even know if they're kids. Could be other desperate dads like myself. <laughs> and I took my headphones off and I like slammed them on my desk. And I go, oh, I just had my first rage quit. <laughs> this is what it's resorted to in 2018. I need a better 2019, fam. And then my, my son is... Uh, now, when my son rage quits, I look at it different. It, it's the same as when my, my spouse, when, when Amy says something, you know, I, I can look at her for all of the past transgressions, or I can experience her just in the moment that we're in. And I think the, the reason why I love resolutions, the reason why I love New Year's, uh, the reason why every year um, all the people that I've blocked in Facebook for the entire year on January 1st or 2nd, I re-let them into my stream. And some of them I blocked by January 3rd, but I gave them a chance. <laughs> See, there's, there's this thing that when you know someone, you, you pre-label all that they can be. You, you limit them based on what you think they're going to do based on their past. And while that may be true, it's not God's way with us. And this is the saddest thing of all. In this, in this first part of the text, the people who knew Jesus most had the least faith in him. The people who Jesus grew up amongst said, how could this be that this guy could say such amazing things? They were amazed by Jesus but didn't believe in Jesus. It said that, that they were astonished that he had this wisdom. But instead of saying, I want to follow it, they just said, how did he get this? Isn't he the guy who grew up over here? Aren't those his brothers and sisters right here? And that's why Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. Because those who know you the most are oftentimes the most difficult people to, to reach and to encourage because they know you. It's always a terrifying thing for me. Um, every church that I've worked at, when your neighbor comes to church, and my neighbor's here right now, and um, because it's like, <gasps> they're my neighbor. Like, they know things about me that y'all don't know about me. And I know things about them that y'all don't know about them. But it's, it's one of those moments because it's like, okay. If my neighbor comes to church and they keep coming, then maybe I'm doing something right. But if my neighbor comes to church and never comes again, then maybe something is out of alignment. Now you've got to keep coming, neighbor. Otherwise, my self-esteem will plummet. And I'll have to depend on Jesus even more, which is good. A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. And here's what's happening. They take what they know about Jesus, what they think they know about Jesus, and they limit their faith. It says, Jesus marveled because of their unbelief. If, if 2019 marks anything for you, I pray that it's not God marveling at your unbelief. Not just your unbelief in him, but your unbelief in others. The reason why I think this is important is because the Bible says, love God and love others. If you love God, then you will love others. You cannot love God and not love others. It just goes around and around. If you read the book of 1 John, it says, if you hate your brother, you don't love God. So when you think about your faith, when you think about your limiter, I need you to think about the people in your life, not just God, or not just the faith you have toward thinking about God, loving God, trusting in God, believing in Jesus, but the way that you love others is a reflection of that. And I can't go into your lives, nor would I, do I think I would want to. But you have people around you that could answer honestly. And if you're here today, ask them a question. Ask them when you leave here, you know, what is one thing in relationship to how I love God and love you, that you would like to see me change this year? It's a brave question to ask 
And when they give you an answer, if they do, my challenge to you is to not respond, not put up the walls of defense, not put up the walls of the past. Because some people say, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. You guys, you're all old dogs. We're all old dogs. And I am convinced the, the older I get that people change less than we think we do. We might go up a few pounds here, go down a few pounds. We might get a new friend, get rid of a friend. We might read the Bible one year from cover to cover, and the next year in our Bible reading plan, we might make it to Genesis chapter 2. But I, th I believe with all my heart that the God of the universe can change people. And it begins, though, with a conduit of faith, not one that's small and restricts your airwaves, but one that, that expands. And, and I only know one way. If you want to see change in your life, change in your spouse's life, change in your children's life, change in your faith in God. I, I only know one for sure way, according to the Bible, where I, I've seen a pattern, a pattern of miracle and the power of God moving, and it's in the next verse, verse 7. Here's what happens. Right after he can't do miracles because of unbelief, he just heals a, a few sick people, which, by the way, I'd love to just heal a few sick people. Verse 7 says, He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two, and gave them authority over unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. So, A, there's a few things I need to point out here. Put no money in your belts. Obviously, their belts are not like our own, and this is not related to the sermon, but I need to tell you my favorite gift that I got for Christmas this year, and you're going to be seeing it soon, my wife, I've been begging for years, you guys, to get another fanny pack. Do you remember fanny packs? So I used to have this hot green, neon green one. And my wife got me one for Christmas. Not a green one, it's a black one. But it's like uh, she went to a surf shop and they were all over. She said, they're all over the wall again. And on the tag she wrote, Merry Christmas, I'm going to regret this. And then I opened it. And it's been on my hip, and I'm rocking it straight out of the 90s. I put my phone, I put vanilla ice on my phone, a speakerphone, and I put it in my fanny pack just to walk around. Jesus sends out his, his disciples on a mission. He says, take nothing. Travel light. I, I don't want you to take money. I don't want you to take an extra jacket. I just want you to go. And whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you. When you leave, shake, the dust, uh, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. It's like you don't even want to take a little bit of their unbelief with you. So that they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. I love, I love this story. Jesus said, okay, we're going to go out from my hometown. I'm sending you out two by two. This is, if you don't know why the Mormon... Mormon uh, people do this. They send out pairs, and they say, go into the world, and not only do they send out pairs, they make them dress identically, which is funny for me, um, but they send them out two by two, because a cord of two is stronger than just a single thread. And he says, take nothing, and enter a house, and share the good news. Now, here's, here's where 
the power of God. If you want the power of God, some of you are like, I want to see a miracle. I want to see God heal someone. I want to see God free someone from bondage. I want to see God break someone's addiction to, to alcoholism or gluttony or pornography or lust, whatever it is. I want to see like actual miracles, measurable miracles. If you want to see measurable miracles in the Bible, in the New Testament, over and over and over again, the miracles are always happening in or around people living on mission for God. They are not happening when you're sitting on your couch eating leftover shortbread and ham. I, they can, God can do a miracle then, but your straw is this big. If your faith, Lord, I want to see you do a miracle. Right now at my house, I could use a miracle. Uh, Savannah's been coughing for four weeks. It's probably time to go to the doctor, I'm guessing. It's like a bad one. It's deep. Uh, little baby Bella got a cough. She's only six months old. If you've never heard of infant cough, it's sadness. We didn't have a humidifier because we, like many of you, let your humidifiers get real moldy. Then you look at it one day and you're like, I probably shouldn't use this. It won't help my children. So last night, um, my in-laws came over. They were out celebrating my father-in-law, Charlie, who's up here. He turned 75 yesterday. 75, the big 7-5. Dude, I, every year I get closer. I hope you clap for me too. Um, they brought us a humidifier, and it's like a new one. It's like sonic sounding, and it's the foam mother. It's just cool. And I'm like, oh, great. I just, I didn't know they were doing this. So I thought in my head, Savannah is about to die from this cough. We should get a humidifier, and we didn't, but they did. On his birthday, he got Savannah a gift. At least I thought that, because Savannah is not breathing well. Get the humidifier, and they get there, and, and Amy and Melody go, oh, no, no, it's, it's not for Savannah. It's for the baby. I'm like, the baby just has a little cute cough. <laughs> Savannah sounds like a dying horse. But it's a baby. You know, it's one of those moments as a father where you just say, if I have to let one of them die, I have to let one of them die. And I put, this, I put the humidifier in Savannah's room, and I ran out in full blast for like two hours. So, and it was by the time I went in there, it was nice. It felt like Florida again. Just walked in. It was humid. So I threw Savannah in there, just threw cough medicine in her face, and then I had to put it in the baby's room. Last night, both the girls slept well. They both seemed to be breathing well. They both seemed to, to finally have their, their airways opened up a little bit more. But it wasn't because I just sat there on my couch and said, okay, Lord, my girls need to be healed, which is good. We should do that. I pray for many of you often. We should pray, and we should get up and do something. Don't pray, husbands. Lord, 2019, help me to love my wife with all my heart. Help me to love my wife more than I did in 2018. For the next year, Lord, help me to love my wife and lay down my life for her like Jesus loved the church. Don't just pray that. Like Wake up on January 1st or tomorrow. Start early, and instead of just praying it, pray it, and then go, like, do the dishes or mop the floor or, or offer a foot rub. By the way, this sermon's going to be totally different next service. <laughs> Don't just say, I'm going to be a better dad next year or a better mom next year. Lord, I need your strength to be a better mom. Yes, you do need Lord's strength. You know what you also need? To just get up and do it. Some of you know that last year maybe was a bust in certain areas. Now, just practically, this is just 
free, free advice, uh, which normally we're good news, church, but the advice is do something. Do something. Move off your rear and do something. This is advice for me. I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to myself. This is a sermon for Ryan. As far as activating and seeing God's power, do something on mission for God. Don't be content to just watch. Build a sandwich today. You're like, oh, I wasn't planning on building a sandwich. What, what time does it start? 11.15. Oh, well, you know, I got this brunch plan. Okay. You can see God's power another day. And building sandwiches isn't the only way, but being on God's mission, going to your neighbor's house and saying, hey, I made some of that split pea ham soup from our ham bowl. You guys want to come over and have a bowl? I don't share my ham soup with people, but I'm saying hypothetically you could do that. Some of you have Christmas cookies. So many Christmas cookies you don't know what to do with. You could invite over some family that maybe don't know the Lord yet. And don't take it as a moment to um, friendship people into Jesus. There's this theme that's been going on in Christianity for years and years and years. It's called relationship evangelism, which it's good. You should be friends with people. Uh, we all need friends, just like the Toy Story taught us. However, the Bible says that this is good news. It's not good friendship. You have to get to the point where you talk to someone and say, this is what Jesus did for you and for me, and this is why I believe in him. And if they don't, if they reject you, don't let that break your heart. I had a, uh, a young person ask me somewhat recently um, again, and I don't know why they ask me, like they think I know something. I think they look at my wife and they think, this guy must know how to date out of his league because um, it was, a, it was a, a young high school man. And he said, how do you approach a girl? And I'm like, dude, you're asking the wrong guy. I've had shame, very little of it since high school. So I just say, I like you. And I see where the chips fall. I know that most high schoolers, is that how you guys approach people nowadays? No. no. Okay. No. How would you approach somebody if you like them? Okay. So apparently kids haven't changed much in 20 years. <laughs> here's, the thing about, here's the thing about the good news of Jesus. It's, it's not your news. It's God's good news. If you drop it on somebody and you haven't been a total uh, goofball about it, you're not responsible for how they respond. But in the moment that you're actively praying for someone to come to know Jesus, in the moment that you're actually saying, I'm going to orient my life around a place so that we can encourage people toward Jesus, share the good news of Jesus with them, that's when you'll begin to see God's power unlock. That's when you'll begin to see weird doors of opportunity open. Uh, one of the places that many of the Chapel family have adopted is, is Levin Brewery. And uh, yeah, one person likes it. Woo! And, and now the, the owners, like, like Jared has their phone number. And, and they have this club. It's like a secret club. And they ask Amber. They said, Amber, do you know anybody that would want to be in this club? And she texted all of the chapel people, hey, they're opening up more spots in their club. It's called the Mug Club. And one of their people came to, to chapel one Sunday. And, and I've been praying for this particular guy for quite some time. And the only reason God opened a door is because I, I talked to him. I shared the good news of Jesus with him. He knew. He grew up in a Catholic church background. But it wasn't until I kept praying, Lord, I need an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus with him. I need an opportunity, Lord. I need you to do something miraculous. 
that, that God stranded him on the 75 freeway with an empty tank of gas when I happened to be at the brewery. And I, I loved that moment because he thought he was probably having a terrible day. And I thought God was answering my prayers. And I went out there and I, I left. And I was like, I got this. So I got gas, put it in his, his old truck, and he got to the brewery. And he goes, you know, why did you come out here? And in my head, I'm thinking, because I've been plotting on you, boy. <laughs> but on the outside, I said, because I love you, man. And, and both are true. Plotting on people is not bad. We, it sounds bad. I plot to romance my wife. I plot on how I'm going to raise my children. I plot on, you know, the whole reason I got into Fortnite was not to rage quit. It was because Jackson started saying things like, Daddy, can I just call you Dad instead of Daddy? And Daddy, uh, I'm just going to hang out with my friends. Is that okay? And I, because I'm a stage five clinger, I'm like, I'm not ready to let go of my oldest son yet. So that's why I told him, I'm going to do whatever he does. If he gets in a competitive swim ballet, I'm going to do it with him because that's what a good dad does. But in the midst of it, in the midst of living intentionally, if you want to see a miracle, don't sit around and wait for one. Go live on mission and see what God does around you. We've, we've heard and seen stories of people that have gone down on Fifth Sunday who have seen some wild things, some demonic activity. When Jesus sends out the disciples... He gives them the authority over unclean spirits. Now, that just doesn't mean you can go out. Uh, you're not like Indiana Jones just whipping demons. Pow, pow, pow. It means that you go out with the power and authority of the creator of the universe. That, that every, uh, every sin, every addiction, every bondage thing, every person that's enslaved to something, you have the power in Christ to go press it out. But it's never for an end in itself. It's always tied to sharing the good news of Jesus that he died the death that we should have died, that he lived the life that we should have lived. And he did it all for us so that we could be with God forever. This is very simple stuff. And if nobody, if they don't want to listen, don't take it personally. It, the Bible says, Jesus says, shake the dust off your feet. I used to do this as a young Henri pastor. Um, when I would go to someone's house or meet with someone for counseling and they didn't want to listen, I would literally like, when I walked away, not telling them why I was doing it, but it was just a symbol to me, like, like I don't want to bring this with me. I'm going to leave that there. I'm going to leave their dust of unbelief there to settle on them because when you share the good news of Jesus, you cannot force them to, to, to take the choice. You cannot force them to make the plunge. You cannot force them to believe. This is a God thing. We throw seed, God grows seed. And if you know any other humans, you know this is just the case. It, you, you can take the horse to the water, but you can't force it to drink. For 2019, uh, my prayer is that we would stop trying to get miracles out of a, the smallest of airways. And by airways, I mean living on mission for, for God, sharing the good news of Jesus. And you may say, where do I start? I'm glad you asked. The next three weeks are a good starting point to build a foundation. If you've never been here in January, we didn't do it last year, but the years before we have. We, we do three weeks specifically uh, on very practical things. Next week is the state of the church, where we go capital C, like church nation, church global, uh, and then church chapel. What are we doing as a church family in 2019 to give you opportunities and to equip you to live on mission for Jesus and see the power of God unleashed in your life? 
the second Sunday in January is a week on prayer where we're going to have um, sort of an interview style practical tools. We're going to have community prayer again. We've done this before when we did the Ossipa thing. This one's going to be a little bit different. And then the third week is going to be on the Bible where uh, we're going to learn about different ways and why the Bible is important, how it, help, how it helps us live on mission for Jesus, how it helps us grow in our relationship and love for God and others. But if you've never gone through this process of thinking through your life and saying, where am I living for God? Who am I reaching for God? And what tools do I need to do this? Uh, the next three weeks are going to be doing that. And then also 2019, we're, like I said, I've mentioned a number of times, we're transitioning away from small groups and into what we're calling micro churches, which is really just each community People are raised up to do what they were created to do. If someone is gifted with prayer, we want them to, to be praying for people regularly, laying hands on people. If someone is gifted in organization or hospitality, won't we want them to be organizing meals for, for people who are not well in the, the larger chapel family and organizing missions, things where we can go downtown and serve at places like Metropolitan Ministries or, or get more of our microchurch community groups involved in Fifth Sunday so it's just not the same team doing it we are month in and month out. But that's what's coming. And if you want to see God change things, you're thinking, God can't change my situation. I've seen God restore marriages that in my flesh I said, that thing is shattered beyond repair. I've seen God uh, bring children back to knowing the Lord who were so far from God, the parents had even stopped. Like, our kid is not ever coming back. I've seen, I've seen people in the most dire financial situations, hanging by a thread, get random uh, gifts just dropped on to, to their lives. And gifts that nobody knew that they needed. I've seen people who were, uh, I've seen people who were very, very ill become increasingly better, not instantly, but I'm talking like 30 minutes. Like going from, I don't know how this person's going to keep going to, I can't believe you're still talking to me. I want to see people in 2019, not just, not just those things. I want to see people break free of the bondages that I think are holding so many of us captive. The bondages of bad marriages, bad parenting, bad childing, tough work situations, secrets going on in our lives. I believe that God will do it. Generally, he doesn't do it arbitrarily. His miracles always are in the wake of his mission. So let's make that our 2019. Let's pray. Father. I can't wait to see the forts back there, Lord. Uh, I'm going to run back there right now and see if I can crawl through a tunnel. I pray that these kids that are back there this year would be encouraged by parents who are pressing into you for 2019, who are not just content with making no changes, but will have a holy discontentment that drives them to love you and love others with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, we, we have so many people around us that don't know you. Give us a heart for people. Give us eyes to see people as you see them, as beloved, wandering sons and daughters, waiting to hear your voice again. Send us out, Lord, with passion. In Jesus' name, amen.